The NHL Stanley Cup Final starts tomorrow. It's Friday, June 2nd. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. We have a great interview on the NHL coming up in a moment, but first let's look back on this past week. Major League Baseball is taking control of San Diego Padres broadcast after the league made its first official split from Diamond Sports Group. Diamond, which owns the Valley's regional sports networks, missed a payment deadline on Tuesday, which caused MLB to immediately cut off that contract and take over broadcasting games from Valley Sports San Diego. The league has promised the Padres 80% of the revenue that the team would have received from Diamond meaning that MLB's broadcast of Padres games will generate revenue, but it will likely be under 80% of what Diamond was on the hook for. The league will top up the team to that amount. And that basic math speaks to the fundamental issue here. RSN contracts are based on a world where everyone had cable, and now fewer and fewer people have cable, and so far there is just less money in streaming. And so someone is going to be left holding the bag. The Padres are one of 14 MLB teams that Diamond had contracts for, and they likely won't be the last to switch over to MLB production midseason. Sticking with West Coast baseball teams, we are closely monitoring every move by the Nevada legislature as we track the fate of the bill that would help fund a stadium for the A's in Las Vegas. There are powerful people both supporting and opposing the bill, both among elected officials, but also groups like the building trades unions and culinary unions who support it, while teachers unions oppose. A's owner John Fisher and President Dave Caval were not at a hearing on Memorial Day, which looks like it will be the only time Nevada lawmakers discuss the bill and hear public comment in public, but they are in town now lobbying to get the bill passed. Nevada's legislative session ends on Monday, but there remains the possibility of a special session if they fail to pass a bill before then, but think they can get this done in overtime. To the Midwest, the Detroit Pistons gave Monty Williams the biggest coaching deal in NBA history with a six-year, $78.5 million contract. Williams was fired by the Phoenix Suns after they were eliminated in the second round of this year's playoffs by the Denver Nuggets. Whatever you think of Williams, the best NBA coaches have a huge impact on their team's success, and it makes sense that they're getting paid like it. Hopping over to NASCAR, driver Chase Briscoe of the Stuart Haas Racing Team was fined $250,000, one of the largest fines in NASCAR history, for what is being described as a counterfeit part of his car, Basically, it seems he had an engine panel duct that was modified to give him an unfair advantage. Looking across the Atlantic, UEFA is considering one of the biggest changes to European soccer in a generation. They want to institute a spending cap. We haven't seen any specific numbers here, but the idea is that there would be a hard line that teams could not cross on how much they spend on players. This would complement the existing financial fair play rules that limit spending as a percentage of team revenue. The issue with that is that some clubs make a lot more money than others, both within the same league, but especially across leagues. And with the Premier League emerging as the Premier League in Europe, it is getting very hard for other European clubs in leagues like La Liga, Bundesliga, Syria, and League One to keep up. Also, when you talk to people who follow this stuff closely, they will tell you that the top clubs find ways to get around the financial fair play rules so that they can keep signing the best players. You can get a sense of how big this change would be by just looking at who would have to approve it for it to take place, which includes the European Club Association, the Players Union Fifth Pro, and the European Union. And speaking of expensive soccer stars, Paris Saint-Germain manager Christophe Galtier confirmed that Lionel Messi will be leaving the club after two seasons. We don't know where Messi is going to end up, but it's safe to say that the biggest offer will come from Saudi Arabia, where he would join the legend he most often gets compared to, Cristiano Ronaldo. 
And staying with Saudi Arabia for a sec, reports came out this week that Endeavor, which owns UFC and bought WWE last month in a $9.3 billion merger, had $1 billion on the table to invest in Live Golf. Endeavor CEO Ari Emanuel told Freakonomics Radio that the company was approached by Live stars Phil Mickelson and Bryson DeChambeau, and that negotiations got pretty far before Endeavor backed out. Had it gone forward, that money would have replaced investments from Saudi Arabia's public investment fund and would have gone a long way toward Americanizing Live Golf. We have a great interview on the NHL Stanley Cup Finals coming up, but that's not the only big tournament taking place this weekend. The first ever iteration of what's simply being called the soccer tournament began yesterday and runs through Sunday. It includes players from clubs all over the world, and I recently had a chance to speak to retired West Ham player Anton Ferdinand, who is participating in the tournament. Here he is talking about what that will mean for him. Beaming with pride, um, I look forward to playing in this tournament. It's a massive, massive tournament. But more importantly, um, our club is is a club that is known worldwide. So to be able to get over to to the US and meet with our fans and, and be around our fans and, and them see players that they watched when, when, when they were younger or their children watching their parents' players that they watched when they, was, when they were younger is something that we're about as a football club. You know, as I alluded to earlier, we're a family-orientated club. Also, Manchester City and Manchester United will face off in the FA Cup final. Ferdinand made it to the final once with West Ham. He missed a crucial penalty kick and West Ham lost. And even though he's retired now, he still feels that sense of unfinished business. The, the players that won the FA Cup in, in the 80s, they're still looked upon and spoken about as legends now. And... and I wish I was one of them with the FA Cup final, of course, but I wasn't meant to be one. But if I can see us win a trophy in my lifetime, I'll die a happy man. Heading now to our main interview, I spoke with NHL Network host Jackie Redmond on the series that will determine who will lift the best trophy in sports. Here's our conversation. All right. I am joined now by NHL Network host Jackie Redmond. Welcome, Jackie. Hello. What's going on? Excited to be here, Owen. Yeah, great to have you. So let's just get... Get to know you a little bit. How did you get into TV hosting and broadcasting? Um, I won a reality show. Uh, wow. <laughs> I did <laughs> Which go one? to school. I did go to school, to be fair. You know, um, I got a degree in mass communications and then a diploma in broadcast journalism. But my foot in the door of sports, anyways, um, was on a show called Gillette Drafted The Search for Canada's Next Sportscaster, which was a Canadian reality TV show, picture like. American Idol, but for sports broadcasting. So there would be challenges and then someone would be like in the elimination ceremony would get eliminated by the judging panel. And then eventually the winner would get a one-year contract to work at a place called the Score Television Network, which no longer exists in television network form, but the app still exists. A lot of people know the Score app. Um, so that was kind of my foot in the door of sports. I had done like radio and community television and things like that um, prior to that. But yeah, that was my first my first big break into the biz, as they say. Yeah, that's that's a unique origin story. But, you know, like American Idol, you know, some people you you still know about years later and some. I like, like to oh, think I'm the yeah. Kelly Clarkson of the <laughs> right, exactly. drafted uh, family. But yeah, it was on for five years. It was a decently popular show and it gave, you know, people like me who were, you know, wanted an opportunity of any kind, um, a, sh a shot, right? So yeah, it was good. 
So you got your foot in the door and then you're just able to stick around through through different different yeah, gigs. Yeah, I was kind of like a I was kind of like a one year to one year to one year contract kind of person for a while. Um I cut highlights. I did a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Um my first few years. Like I thought I won that show and I was like, "Amazing. I'm going to be on TV and it is just going to be great from here, right?" Um it did not quite go that way, which was a blessing, I think. Like I spent my first nine months at the score um, in an edit suite, watching games, cutting highlights, writing scripts for other people um, to voice. Um, And I think, you know, I look back at that time where I was kind of like, oh, man, like I don't get to be on TV as probably the most beneficial thing that has ever happened to me in my career, because I really understood kind of what goes on at a sports network to make highlights happen and and uh, gained a, a new understanding of sports, I think, having to look at games that way and, and put them together and think about how to storytell and, and put a narrative together within a singular um, game. So yeah, it was fun, except when I had to do soccer, which I know nothing about. That was tough. <laughs> yeah, right. And yeah, it's it's you're tricky to find those highlights. There's some obvious ones, like when a goal is scored, but yeah, telling that story, um, you know, like let's say you want to highlight some guy who's just, you know, he's having a great game checking, uh, you know, winning a lot of battles, um, finding those highlights. That's, that's a lot trickier. And that experience you had is one where you wouldn't for you, you wouldn't just like sign up for it voluntarily. Sound like you wanted to be on TV and now you are on TV, but like, you know, having to go through that path, it gives you that deeper understanding. Yeah, I still remember the conversation with um, Greg Sansoni, who ended up, you know, becoming a really big mentor of mine early in my career. He's now the president at Sportsnet um, in Canada. But I remember I I had won the show and I had gotten to do a couple of cool things like I, features on the Maple Leaf. So I was going to the rink and I was getting sound and I was putting some things together that way. And that was fun. But I only did that for maybe six weeks. And then I still remember, he called me into his office. He's like, we're going to change some things around here. I think it's going to be really beneficial to take you off of TV. You're not going to do features anymore. And I'm going to put you in the highlight suites. And I want you to basically, you know, produce highlight packs and put highlight packs together, cut plays, write scripts, tell a story. And I just remember being devastated, like, ah, no, like what? I didn't think it was going to be this way. And like really and truly was the best thing I think that ever happened to me because my first one of my first opportunities after that um, was doing highlights on TV as an anchor. And I had gained so much experience behind the scenes, putting packs together, understanding the timing of a pack um, that when I got on the desk and was voicing them, I, I feel like I was so much more well equipped. Um, to actually handle it and be ready for that moment and ready for that audition. Um, so it really was a, it was a blessing in disguise. Greg Sansoni, man, he knows what he's doing. So uh, it was, it was huge. So let's get to the Stanley Cup finals. Got the Panthers, Vegas Golden Knights. What are the big narratives for you going into to this final? Oh my gosh. Um, the fact that Vegas is in their second Stanley Cup final in six years of existence, like... Hockey fans in Vegas are spoiled. They do not know what it means to really struggle. Um, They've had so much success in such a short period of time as a franchise. And that's not historically what happens with expansion teams, right? They usually struggle for a really long time. In some cases, for like there's there's expansion teams that have been around for 20 years now that have not seen this success 
that the Vegas Golden Knights have had in six years, four conference finals, two cup finals. They could, I mean, they're four wins away from winning a Stanley cup. It's an incredible story. And then on the flip side, you have a Florida Panthers team that has been around right for a couple of decades now and has been to a cup final, but has never won. And they find themselves back there on the heels of this Cinderella run. They get in the postseason like within one point in the final week of the year and now are taking down like the powerhouses of the East on their way to the cup final. So to me, those are the big things. It's that we've got two teams that, you know, in a lot of ways, nobody would have expected to be here, even though Vegas was the best team in the West in the regular season. They're still a team that's been around for six years. Like how they've had five goalies this year. It's remarkable. Um, and then outside of that, I think, um, Sergei Bobrovsky for me is a big one, um, not just because he's playing ridiculously well right now, but because he is a $10 million goalie that I think a lot of people have written off over the last few years, myself included. Uh, he's not worth his contract. He hasn't lived up to it. And um, now he's sort of kind of risen back to the top. And I think it's been really fun to watch. I'd be really happy to see him reach the pinnacle and, and lift the Stanley Cup because I'm sure um, the first few years in Florida have not been easy for him from a um, criticism standpoint. Yeah, he's one of those players where I have no idea how good he is. I mean, clearly he's very good. But yeah, you like if you just kind of tune in and out, it's like, oh, yeah, he, he's like leading a team to the cup or like now he's terrible. Now he's the backup. Like now he's now he's well, awesome that's the again. Fear, right. Like. Is he all the way back or is 10 days off? Like, are we going to go back to like Sergei Bobrovsky of February? Like what, what is happening? But it's, it's, um, it's been so awesome to cover. And by all accounts, like apparently he just works his absolute tail off um, at what he does. So it's nice to see someone like that, that puts in so much work, um, you know, get back to their, to their eliteness, if you will. Cause he was at one point, you know, one of the best goalies in the league. That's why he got 10 million. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have all these same questions about the Panthers generally that won the president's trophy, had the best record in the league last year, barely made the playoffs this year, squeaked out that huge upset against the Bruins and then just proceeded to suddenly be the best team in the East. So can you explain what is going on here? Um, magic? No. Um, <laughs> you know what? For a long time, I was like, oh my gosh, like I was the person in the regular season that was like, the Panthers are toast. Like it's, they're frauds. I mean, they look happening. Toast. They looked toast. They were fraudulent. I owe a few people, um, bottles of wine for bets that I made during that time. Um, but you know, I think I doubted them for a long time. And then I was, you know, very surprised by their success in the postseason early on. And I was like, they're not this good. They're not this good. But then you really start to think about it. And you meant you mentioned, right, like last year, the President's Trophy winners, they were amazing. They've had some major changes to their roster since then. But the bones are still there. And I, I looked it up during the Carolina series, like, they have nine first rounders on their team. And a lot of those players were top 10 picks, right? Like we forget that Aaron Ekblad was a first overall pick, right? So they've got so much elite talent on their roster that I think people have forgotten were expected to be top tier players in this league. And it's really just kind of all coming together at the right time. I think Matthew Kachuk is, you know, the sort of heartbeat character of that team that has really, um, I think rubbed off on a lot of the roster. He, you know, even away from the cameras and, and away from the game, 
he is a very down to earth, live in the moment, enjoy what is happening type person. And I think that that's rubbed off on the rest of the team. And I think obviously they're focused and they have a goal, but they're not overwhelmed by the moment. And last year, I think they were a team that got overwhelmed by the moment. They had all this regular season success. They get through the first round. Then they run into, you know, the juggernaut Tampa Bay Lightning. And it was like over before it started. They got embarrassed in that series. Maybe it was the best thing that could have happened to them because I think a lot of the guys that were there for that um, have learned from it. And, um, you know, Paul Maurice deserves some credit too. It's been uh, – they they are as loose as I've ever seen a team on a run to the Stanley Cup final uh, since I started covering the sport. So it's been fun. Yeah, and I usually brush off things like the President's Trophy curse, but I think there is something to how Panthers last year, Bruins this year, there were the expectations of like if they don't at least like at least make it to the conference finals and probably make it to the cup, like that's a disappointment. Whereas they're playing teams where it's like, you know, if if we get this to game seven, like good for us. Like You know what else I think too when it comes to the curse of the President's Trophy? I just think it is such a strong indication that like the regular season really is a different game than the postseason. Like they are two different seasons. They are two different games in a lot of ways. And the reason that the president's trophy winners often don't have success in the playoffs is because the game changes. It becomes harder. You don't have as much time and space. Now the Boston Bruins, I feel like should have been able to transition their game to the playoffs a lot better than they did. Um, But I do think that that's part of, of that um, curse, if you will. I think that's part of what's going on there as well. All right. Before we go, a uh, quick lightning round. Favorite oh NHL player to watch. Here it comes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All time or right now? Uh, let's say right now. Right now. I mean, how can I? Just to be different, because everyone's saying Matthew Kachuk right now, I'll say Jack Eichel. Moving away from sports. Favorite concert you have you have ever been to? Taylor Swift. Eras tour most recently. Uh, favorite non-sports hobby. Ooh, um, I really like baking. People don't know that about me, but I like I like to bake. Yeah, I feel like there there are certain personality types that like really like the precision of baking, or it's like you know what it is. I find it very relaxing. It's so weird. Like I just like making homemade cupcakes. Like I'm relaxed. I don't maybe because I'm just so focused on the task at hand that I'm not thinking about anything else. Back to sports. If someone is just getting into hockey and uh, wants a team to get excited about, we're not we're taking out the two teams in the finals right now. But if you want to give someone a team to like be their team to to run with, who are you taking? Buffalo Sabres, baby. Uh, they've got some really exciting players. The fact that they've got two first overall picks on the back end. Then you've got, you know, Mr. TNT, Tage Thompson doing his thing. I really like what's going on in Buffalo. I think that fan base, after struggling for the last decade, um, I think they have a lot to be excited about. All right. And last one, your pick for which team hoists the cup this year? Oh, so hard. Um, I mean, the Knights are like the obvious pick, right? But like the Panthers just keep winning. Are they though? Because if Sergei Bobrovsky can keep doing what he's doing, then I think that completely evens the scales of the series. Um, I'm going to go with Vegas because I do think that they are the better overall team. Um, but I do think that Bobrovsky could be the great equalizer there. And uh, yeah, but I change my mind on this every day. But right now I will go with Vegas. All right. Sounds good. Jackie Redmond, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me, Owen. Enjoy the final. 
That's it for today. Say hi at today at frontofficesports.com or just say hi on Twitter at Owen Poindexter. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. We will see you Monday.